0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Confusion Thursday Night Hangout.
1: Thursday Night, here on Alter Confusion.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I, of course, am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the prolific Comer
1: himself, Zilius. How goes it good, sir, on this beautifully chilly night?
0: It's going better now that we have the Thursday Night Hangout.
1: What? I was hanging out last Thursday. Does that not count for anything?
0: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, for those who don't know... Uh, I don't know how you wouldn't know, but just in case you didn't know, last Thursday was Thanksgiving. And so, even though I dabbled with the thought, the desire to perhaps stream because of this weird-ass COVID environment that we live in, uh, I decided not to, well, I guess we, but I, being the main dude, decided not to do the Thursday Night Hangout. Uh, Zelius was present, socially distanced, for a Thanksgiving feast.
1: So distanced from the soul, man.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of course, this is the Thursday night hangout. This is a weekly live show, almost weekly, de- depending on the hi- holidays, um, for you, where we take comments, topics, and questions and try our best to cover them with you during this week's show. If you didn't get a chance to submit your topic, have no fear. You can still do it by dropping it in the chat window. The chat window is picking up, uh, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. So it, if you've got something, just drop it in there. It should show up. If it doesn't, I will punch someone in the face. Not you, though. No, not you amazing people out there. And, and not Zealus, because, well, I don't think Zealus can take it. I'd Zealous be impressed if you could punch
1: me from where I am, I'm just saying.
0: Well, that would be impressive, too. But let's not do that. Um, well, I do quick, appreciate that. Uh, so I jumped down a weird-ass rabbit hole today, and mm. I want to discuss it real quick before we actually get into the rest of the show. Uh, once upon a time, Alter Confusion was founded um, in 2007, and in that time, uh, basically starting roughly about 2009, uh, myself, Charlie, and Zelius, along with a couple of our friends, created an audio podcast starting oh, roughly yeah. about February 8th, 2009. Um, in that span, we ran an audio almost exclusively audio only podcast for 146 episodes.
1: 146.
0: Then there was this weird bridge. There was an 11 episode kind of me. Sometimes it was like me and someone could be me. Zelius could be me. Zelius and Jesse could be just me and Jesse, or could be me. And, um, uh, for those of you who really want a history lesson, there was a guy by the name of the German who used to be, uh, a ranter on our website. He's still out there, uh-huh. but he doesn't rant. Um, Actually, he's probably he isn't ranting. Complete
1: without the rants.
0: Exactly. So, anyways, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm a crazy person, I decided to tabulate how many shows of an Alter Confusion Thursday Night Hangout-esque uh, actually exists. And with all my tabulations, calculations, um, this, my friends, is the 435th uh, Alter Confusion news show hangout video cast whatever you want to call it that's a lot yes it is and almost of is all of them have Zelis in it
1: 35 hours of my life that I could not have spent in a better way
0: okay so um I'll hold that thought uh, we didn't actually go to an hour long format until the, the 2013 before that it was about a 25 minute format because of file size restriction <laughs> so you know that's you really- right. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's like literally, I started digging up everything. And by the way, uh, for all those out there who're looking to to create a a, um, a good, strong, awesome like plugin for Chrome, please create something that allows you to pull my entire media library off of a website. Because oh my God, was it. Annoying as hell. I got it. I got all 146 uh, podcasts downloaded, but it was painful.
1: Did you have you listen to them all yet?
0: No. Dear God, no. I don't have that much time. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into it, shall we? All right. So we have quite a few topics. I know that um, we had some topics that were left over from the previous show, which of course would have been... Let's see. November the 27th? No, that can't be right. Right? I don't know. No, can't be the 27th. That was Thanksgiving. Sure. Uh, Let's go with uh, November the... Actually, 27th is a Friday. So let's go with the 19th. Yes, (laughs) that that would be... All right, so ladies and gentlemen, of course, we had uh, some topics left over. So let's go with some of the heavy hitters first. Um, One of the topics that was brought up previously, and by, Zili- by Zilius, uh was what are your opinions of, or what's your idea of exclusive versions of consoles, limited runs of consoles, and the concept of high-demand, low-inventory for consoles? Because, of course, you know, the next-gen is just officially out there.
1: I mean, I think limited runs, especially for consoles, like, from a... If you're designing, like, a let's just call it like for PlayStation, maybe the Final Fantasy version, mm-hmm. I'm just throwing in a random mm-hmm. franchise. I think that's a cool idea because people really get into their consoles and they like to personalize things. Yep. And I've just.
0: Zealus is dying, people. Don't worry. It's not infectious. I don't think you
1: can catch COVID over the air. It's fine.
0: It's not infectious, I think.
1: Only to my cats. And oh, no. My monster. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, I think it's cool because people, I mean, Sony has already laid the smackdown on people trying to customize or at least sell customizations of the PS5. And I think with the consoles is they can become like a centerpiece of your room. And so I think the idea of customizable and limited run consoles of the actual main console is a cool idea. Um, which is totally different than like let's just say a limited run of the Nintendo classic. Um so you kind of got the two different subsets. I'm more interested in a current gen limited run run. I think it's neat cuz it gives people, you know, chance to personalize and have some interesting consoles while let's be honest, the manufacturers are probably going to be able to, mark, to jack up the price and make a nice little profit off of that too. Because people will buy it. So
0: I'm I'm all for like the limited runs of you know like the the Zelda themed Switch or the more or the Spider Man themed um, PlayStation Three. Um, my my issue, to be honest with you, is the fact that you've got all these. Um, you've got all the, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to type something in the background. Um, you've got all You're of typing? these, the abilities to, you know, have these exclusive con, um, consoles, but they're like Sony is beyond against allowing for people to actually so much as, you know, put a special, uh, cover on your system. So that for me, is just kind of weird that they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to make money, but it's going to be our money. And I understand it's your own, it's your own equipment, whatever. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've actually bought a limited run of anything. I think I've just, as soon as I've gotten a hold of a console, I've just locked onto it.
1: Yeah, so that's that conundrum. Like, at some point, I'm going to get the PlayStation 5. Mm -hmm. But, like, does it really make sense to wait for what may or may not eventually be a limited run console? And if I already own a console, I'm not going to buy a limited run version that comes out when it's released. I mean, although I guess technically at that point you can probably sell the current gen, at least at this point still for what you um, bought it for. So wait, when
0: you're, when, so are you talking like the, the, the next release after launch day?
1: No, I'm talking about like a limited run for the current generation of the PS5.
0: Oh, so you're just talking like low supply. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not talking like the PS five slim or whatever. No, I'm, I'm just saying next
0: when time. I think limited run, I'm thinking limited edition. I think that's where my brain <laughs> well, yeah, gets crept so up.
1: That's what I was thinking too. So yeah, when I meant, when I meant wait, I meant like, let's just say like the, this, the, um, Spider-Man version, mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait on the Spider-Man version to come out if right. that's if I want that console, I've never cared that much. Right. But people certainly obviously do when cool.
0: Well, I mean, there, there's definitely people, I mean, I know that, um, for better or for worse, there were, uh, a good chunk or good number of individuals who were waiting for that color, um, uh, selection for the Wii when it first came out. Of course that never came to fruition. Um, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait till I get, till they release the red Wii, which just sounds wrong. To this day, every single <laughs> when I'm like, I'm, i you know, I'm gonna go play with my Wii. Just,
1: mm. it still sounds weird.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, but you know, when it comes to whatever version you can get, I think you know, get. I, I don't think I am not the type of person who's gonna be like, well. You, I got a Generation 2, and or you got a Generation 2, and I got a Generation 4, so I'm so much better than you are. Uh, if it works, for me, if it works, then— Well, I
1: think that's also kind of our generation. Like, we're a bit older, some might say. Yes. So I don't think we're really in it for the console wars or mm-hmm. any of the uh, EP measuring contest— I think it's probably for the younger generations true, who might care more about that. And that's where, you know, you, you hear the story of the kid didn't get the correct version of the console. And then he, like, loses his shit and throws it off the balcony because he's so pissed. Yes, um, that yeah.
0: that drives me. Look, when, um, now, of course, I'm going to be making myself and Zelius old, um, but... Once upon a time, there was only one version of a console. There was one Nintendo Super yep. Nintendo, Nintendo, uh, or uh, yeah, N sixty four. Which ironically, the only thing about the sixty four was different than basically you know the previous generations was that you could put in that they had the slot for that expansion um, piece that would allow you to play Perfect Oh, uh, Yeah. But I mean, that was that was the level of like you know, like you know, exclusivity was did you have it or did you not? Yeah. Um, or if you had the rump, the early Rumble Pack for the the N sixty four or you didn't, um, you know, that the that Rumble was pack. the extent of it. Now it's now it's you know, well, it's the slim version and the pro version and the insert weird ass name version here. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm. If if I were to get a console, I'd get a console, but I'm not going to get one of those because I I don't really need one. That's fair. Um, but anywho,
1: um, yeah. You know, what I would dig though is like, let's just say hypothetically I get a mm-hmm. PS5, mm-hmm. I would be somebody who would probably buy like a way to make it look snazzier. Like okay, you buy the base white per- version, but they can get like cool side plates. Okay, like are you take? Are you talking cool. like a
0: vinyl cover? You talk about actual the actual plate, yeah. Ah, so basically, what uh, Sony uh, had shut
1: down. Yes, got it. And that's like, yeah, I would be interested in that. Maybe I'll make my own, three D print one.
0: Sure, I mean. If it's your own system, yes, of course. You know, people. Somebody's like, "Well, you know, you open it up, you're going to avoid the warranty." But I'm fine
1: with that. That I could. That I get.
0: If you know, push comes to shove, I'm sure you know someone who knows someone who could reapply the adhesive to that piece of tape that um, basically dictates if it's if it's been tampered with or not.
1: Not I that I would know.
0: ever do that, but I'm just saying.
1: That's asking a lot, sir. I know. I know. Hmm.
0: So, um, this is, of course, just a little bit of fun news for myself, and I'm really excited about this. Uh, Supergiant Games has announced that they have recorded a 10th anniversary orchestral mm. album, basically, Ooh. of all their games, the the music from all their games. Now, Currently, you go to the website and you can do a digital uh, direct download for nine ninety nine. Or, if you are a crazy person like I am, uh, they will be releasing vinyl record versions. Uh, I say versions because there's going to be two different kinds. There's going to be your base version, which could be thirty five bucks, or your more like high end version, which is going to be fifty. Uh, they do not have an exact release date. However, they are ballpark in first quarter of 2021.
1: I actually see it on their website.
0: I will give you the link in the chat so that you know that I am not blowing hot air up booty. I'll show you the $50. I will, I will drop the $50 one in the chat just so everyone, cause this is the one that I'll be getting. No doubt about it. In my mind, if I'm getting one, I'm I'm getting that. I, I have to, because I think I've got transistor and ba- I might have Bastion 2 for the LPs. Nice. I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Um, speaking of, uh, I guess anniversaries. And then, of course, uh, you know, after saying that this is the 435th episode of an Alter Confusion podcast show, video cast, Thursday Night Hangout, whatever you want to call it, um, it appears that a couple of hmm. big names have decided to step down uh, at Bioware.
1: But uh, by the way, real quick, the yes. most expensive version at eighty dollars is already sold out. Of course. Which actually looks much cooler.
0: Yes, well, you know, we can't all be super awesome, okay? However, if and- you are one of the people who bought the super duper awesome exclusive version, uh, you could just, you know, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'll be your best friend in the world. If you could just, you know, hook me up. That looks so cool. They're, all this stuff. I Dude, if I had the money, I would buy like all the super giant stuff. Like seriously, the t-shirts, the posters, the LPs. I'd be all over that in a heartbeat. Fair enough. Anyways, so talking about uh, anniversaries, um, there are two big names that are that are stepping down at Bioware. Um, now, of course, you're like, okay, so how long are we talking about? Uh, the Bioware's general manager Casey Hudson uh, is stepping down after after 20 years of video game service. Um, That's a long time with the, the company. The big the um, and to give you like the short version of it, basically he was um, at Bioware between 2000 and 2014. Then he left, and then came back 2017 to 2020. So it wasn't mm. really 20 years with Bioware per se, but he's been in the game industry for 20 years. Uh, gotcha. The big name, the the I guess the big title that is attached to Casey Hudson is he was the project director for all of the Mass Effects.
1: Ooh. Including Andromeda?
0: Uh, yes. Okay. Um, and then the other individual who is as has announced that they're stepping down is the Dragon Age exclusive producer, Mark Dara. He has been part of Bioware since nineteen ninety seven. Now, mm. I I don't like I, I mean when when I see executive producer slapped on anything. I don't really want to credit that individual for the title, be it a movie, be it whatever, because executive producers is kind of like someone who's just like, yup, cool. You know, it's it's a name to kind of bring attention. So being the Dragon Age exclusive producer does nothing for me. However, when he was actually in the trenches, he was a programmer, and he programmed uh, three very successful series. Mm. Um, Boulder's Gate Neverwinter Nights and Jade Empire which all three of them huge amazing games
1: well if you think about though all these games including the three you just mentioned the ones that the executive producers of both of them what do those games all have in common that are sadly absent in current Bioware games polish single player stories or Polish? Or, yeah, like, I mean, those are the games. It's kind of like them and Blizzard, right? Like, yeah. they used to have these great, amazing games. Um, Bioware had more games because they had, like, you know, the series of both Mass Effect and Dragon Age, although Dragon Age had its ups and downs, to be fair. Um, uh, but still, yeah. they had these series and games that people came to love. And then... Sadly, as tends to happen when uh, big money happy companies take over, things change. The uh, quality direction takes a different path than we, the gamers, would like.
0: It comes down to the green. Um, well, you, the sad you...
1: part is, though, like in the case of Bioware, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like in a White Blizzard's doing okay, at least. But, like, with BioWare, by going away from what they were doing exceptionally well, they're going to end up coming out in that negative versus if they just done what they did well. Because they could still be making phenomenal... I mean, there's clearly still a market for phenomenal single-player games. Agreed. Um, It's... I mean, look at the success of games like Horizon Dawn and... Um, Valhalla, look at Spider-Man. There's clearly still a market. Mm-hmm. I know it's diminishing, but there's still absolutely that market, and I feel like Bioware still could have easily filled that single-player, heavily story line driven game that are still people still want those games, but they shoot that in the form of basically chasing the microtransaction money god well i think it does in doesn't, the form of anthem
0: i i i also think it doesn't help yeah so i am I'm, I'm just i just pulled up the Bioware video game list um and they start back in 1996 with their uh first release game called shattered steel which is available oh, on dos and windows it's a uh was a mech simulation action game uh then oh. of course baldurs gate mdk2 baldurs gate 2 neverwinter nights KOTOR, Jade Empire, Mass Effect, Sonic Chronicles, The Dark Brotherhood. Mm. That was on the DS. Uh, Mass Effect Galaxy, which I actually played. I vaguely remember. It was a weird-ass iOS game. Uh, Dragon Age Origins, Mass Effect 2. Dragon Age 2, a game that I refuse to recognize as existing. Um the Old Republic, which is the the online, the online massive online game. Which is uh, actually not bad. Mass Effect 3. Um, then you had Warhammer Online, which has been canceled. Uh, Command & Conquer Generals 2, which has been canceled. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which was a solid game. Shadow Realms, which has been canceled. Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, uh, Anthem, which I think most people have basically moved on from immediately because there was a bunch of free-to-play games that are in that same marketplace already. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think that you... you. I mean, it's also interesting to stay, see that during... Let's see here. Uh, starting with the original Baldur's Gate, which was 1998 for Windows, to about... Let's see here. Where is... We'll say Mass Effect 2, just for shits and giggles, 2010. So basically... You're talking about, you know, uh, just over a ten year run of pure awesomeness, and then it just kind of—I don't know. You're right. I I think that when when you have a uh, Gunny says uh, Mass Effect Two is one of the best games ever made. I agree. Uh, It is a very solid game, and I think that that's one of the. the things. I mean, you look at some of these older games. Um, I. This actually leads into a question that I that this reason why I brought this up. Um, there was a, a question out there. I'm just going to jump into that question because this kind of this kind of rolls into it. Um, whoops, where'd that question go? Oh, there we go. Um, the question is can the success of a game franchise live on after the main talent or studio behind it is no longer there? You know, you, you see, uh, you've got the, the project director for Mass Effect stepping away. You've got the individual who was a programmer for Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, Jade Empire now leaving. And you know, you've, you've also got, you got studios out there who have either, um, sold their prop, their IP like Bungie did with halo. Um, or you have other companies basically merging with highly successful companies and then kind of, you know, I, sorry, but Activision and Blizzard. Yep. Um, so
1: I think it comes down to, is it's a, we actually talked to us a lot about this at school and it's a concept called mission drift. Mm-hmm. And the basic idea is, and, we kind of talk about this as a parochial school in terms of you're, I mean, you send your kids to a Christian school and the idea is is that Christ in education. Mm -hmm. Um, An idea of mission drift of, do you keep that? And it's, you kind of have to keep that cognizant at all times. And I don't think for developers or publishers, it's a whole lot different. And I think in this case, Bioware is a great example where they had that great single player, mission like that was what their mission was they created some of the best games ever really and then they kind of strayed from that it's like they saw all these shiny new games that were out there and they chased that and i feel like they're a company who really got away they really embraced mission drift in a bad bad way i look at like the opposite of that for me would be paradox games Mm -hmm. um paradox is known for the heavy hitter um, strategy games like Europa Urnavalsis and um, Crusader Knights. I mean, but those really intense strategy games, and they don't dumb them down. I mean, I bet there's pressure from people to like, hey, you know, if you made these concepts a little bit easier, more like a civilization game, you'd have higher sales because it would be more open to the masses. But they don't do that. They keep to their mission and that's not easy to be fair for a developer or publisher to do because you want to make the money. And I think that's maybe what you see from some of these companies like a BioWare or a Blizzard is to kind of get away from that original mission of what made them great to start with.
0: I I kind of agree. I think that there's there's definitely something to, to be said to, um, uh, as the wonderful statement uh, is, uh, stick to what you know. Um, you know, BioWare has was, or I mean, sort of still is rock solid when it comes to that, the epic story-driven, um, very like character customization. You, you could really build the character to what you wanted, um, with all this, you know, the, the tinkering you could do in Mass Effect or in Baldur's Gate or Neverwhere Nights or Jade Empire. And you're not seeing that, um, but at the same time, I think that there's also this fear that um, that some companies may see themselves as one-trick ponies, and they want to show the world that they could do more than just that. And I think that that's kind of what BioWare got themselves in trouble, is like, well, we could do so much more, and maybe not.
1: Um, the other thing is— I guess, I guess, what does it matter if you're a one-trick pony? Like, True. I mean that's, I mean I I I've never thought of it that. Way. I mean I see what you're saying. I totally get it. Yeah. But if somebody's gonna be like, man, we're one trick pony. We should make branch out games so people don't think of us that way. I'd be like, well, you're right. We're one trick pony, but we do a good job at it. Well, I mean,
0: and, and I'm okay. So I'm gonna I'm about to say a statement that I'm going to immediately contradict. But there are a lot of companies out there that feel like, um. They can't keep doing iterations of the same game because mm. there will be like a depreciation in quality or or um, fan engagement. Now, of course, I can immediately say the Call of Duties and Madden uh, are contradictions to that, but the but you know both of those have a very um, multiplayer
1: kind of. Uh, I think the multiplayer games I would consider a little bit more outliers. I think for this context, probably more single player games. In so they we're, of-
0: so were, you know, back in the realm of like Blizzard and Diablo, um, you know, which to be honest with you, I I still to this day feel that um, I was completely underwhelmed when Diablo 3 first came out. I felt that this was just a shadow of what. Blizzard was capable of doing a couple years before uh, uh, Diablo 3 came out?
1: Well, Diablo 3, it's like a new game now, honestly. from what, I mean, I know it's been so long since you played it, but now with particularly the in-game content and everything else, it's like a Diablo 4 almost. Um, but I think... So, I th- I I get what you're saying. It totally makes sense that you're not repeating yourself. I think that's something we're actually... Um, Tomb Raider did a great job. Yes. So like when Tomb Raider, the newest trilogy came out, mm-hmm. it was still Laura Croft finding adventures, kicking ass and taking names, but it really reinvented who she was as a character from the story and kind of how you interacted with the world from the previous Laura Croft. So it's still Laura Croft. It had the name recognition, the same troops, right. but done very well at that. Agreed. So I agree with you in terms of Companies probably do see, particularly I think for single player games, hey, we don't want to be caught in this trap because you don't have that same necessarily longevity in multiplayer games. True. But I think um the Croft series is a great example of how it can be done well.
0: Well, I think I think the amazingly enough, I think one of the the key components to I guess like the re you know invigoration of the Tomb Raider series was that what they did is they took the core concept of a treasure hunting badass chick and then they updated it with the mechanics and the capabilities of these, you know, the whatever generation console they first came out on. You know, That's they true. they gave it a slicker look. They, they made Laura a little bit younger, a little bit more rugged because, uh, you know... Um, She's she's a survivalist and a treasure hunter. She's not going to be running around in shorty shorts and a tank top twenty four seven, you know. So they kind of updated that component as well as you know the the mechanics of being able to um, to sneak and to solve puzzles and it has all those those core components, but it was kind of given like a fresh breath of air where you have some of these games that are getting like a, a reimagining, which, you know, they're, I don't know. I just felt like the, the Tomb Raider series was not trying to live off its previous glory. It's like, everyone knows what Tomb Raider is. We're going to make sure that we do it right in a new style. There are a bunch of games out there that are like, D- we're just going to continue, you know, we're, we're going to update it, but we're going to give you exactly what it was on the, Sorry, I keep thinking about Chrono Trigger. Um, I just have an issue with. Look, seriously, if you re- there, there has to be a cutoff with the number of, of platforms you can release your game on before you got to be like, look, I just got to make a new one. And I understand that some people are like, well, it's Chrono Cross, the the spiritual successor. Sure, whatever, um, but no, I. There are, it's. For, for myself and Zelius, you know, we grew up in basically a single-player world. Yeah, there were some multiplayer uh, parts to gaming. Uh, most of it is hot seat, which, by the way, means that you are sitting at the same computer and you're splitting up half the keyboard. Uh, one person has the arrow keys, the other one has WASDA. Because back in the day, Wazda was a weird concept. But now it's just second nature. Why are you looking at your keyboard, Zelius? Are you afraid that they're going to disappear?
1: my keyboard. It's so weird, man. No, but I, of course, one of the classics cyberdogs Yeah, man. Hell yeah.
0: Well, the, so, I mean, the thing is, I can a series that's a successful series continue on after the, the major components are gone. Uh, I think it's just a better way of, of or maybe a different way of phrasing this question. And the answer is, I don't know. I mean, it, it really depends on the amount of attention to detail and the, the talent that has been is put in to fill that void of, you know, basically the, the dude who invented whatever.
1: I think that it can work. I mean, Civilization's honestly a great example of how you can do that. Right. Um, I mean, Sid Meier obviously hasn't been a part of the series for a while now, mm-hmm. but yet they still put out very successful uh, 4X strategy games. Uh, but I think to your point, though, kind of like with Tomb Raider, they also stick to the core of what Civilization is. It's not like they took Civilization and now it's all sudden a... It's not um, Rome Total War. Yeah. You know, it's still, well, it's loosely based on building your civilization. You're just now engaging in active war, which sounds like something Activision would actually do. Probably. Um, They keep to what they're good at. And, like, they keep on improving on that recipe and and giving you a reason to buy the newest civilization whenever that comes out. But it's because they keep to what they're doing instead of doing something totally weird.
0: So my one qualm with civiliz- civilization, the, the transition from like the old school civilization to the new school, uh, and this is actually is 4X in general, is that yes, with newer technology, you want to try to change things up, make it a little bit different so your your grid becomes a little bit different. Um, And also, I could be totally wrong, and Zillie, you have to correct me, but I feel like in one of the uh, more recent uh, civilizations, you couldn't stack... Um, troops that were not the same type.
1: I think it's been since Civ three, actually. That's been a long time. That's honky, man. Well, I'm building sure you an can't army. Dip-
0: I I'm not building a an entire platoon of a specific unit. I want my you know my catapults and my pikemen and my chariots
1: all in one square to come beat the shit out of you. Sorry you can't have your stack of, like, 50 bombers all on top of each other. But you actually have to have, like, strategy of how you move your troops about the map instead of having your one stack of
0: doom. Dude, that's horse poopy. And <laughs> if you if, if anyone is actually, like, researched or seen documentaries or movies about wars, you don't have just one type of
1: troop coming from one area. That's well, what you can ridiculous. do now is you can create like platoons, basically. So you are able to actually combine units, but not the old school Civ 2 way of stacks of doom of having like stack 50 phalanxes so stack on top of each other that would just, you'd be banging your head against the wall over.
0: No, I wouldn't be banging my head against the wall. I would be celebrating.
1: <laughs> because you're attacking 50 phalanxes one at a time? No, 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 no,
0: no. I'm, I'm, I've got my 50 phalanxes coming at you. I'd be oh celebrating. Gosh. I'd be like, sorry, it sucks to be you. Um, no, I. yes, there. there's definitely, uh, from for as long as Xelius and I have been playing games, There's there had to have been some sort of evolution between then and now. And I think that if you keep, personally, if you keep uh, pure at your roots and then kind of, I don't know, continue I don't, there's I don't know, I feel like there's there are companies out there that have screwed up that transition from what made them awesome to now and then there's ga- there's companies out there who have been able to continue to do that and there's unfortunately a smaller you know it's a much smaller number now because some of the amazing companies that used to be cornerstones when zealous and I were growing up um midway games which of course is now gone um sierra uh games which basically just put some sort of setting uh kings queen police space and then put quest as the second word in there and that was sierra on syria online or sierra studios or whatever um i mean that was that was the the shit back then and yes there. Because of improved graphics and the ability to uh, do th- do things, multiple actions without having to click on a name or, or a word of an action and then clicking on something. Uh, for those out there who don't know, Adventure Games used to have this fun little box at the bottom, usually on the left-hand side, that gave you all the types of actions you could take in the game. Be it open, close, what? push, pull, climb, give, take, look at... Uh, there's a couple others, uh, open and close. Um, and you couldn't just, you know, you couldn't do it. Like you do with, with video games now where you walk up to an interactive object, and it tells you push a to interact, uh, push a to the interaction could be opening a door, picking something up, um, turning on or off a faucet, something, uh, you know, that to me is a great evolution. But you could keep this the same story, the same depth, and I think that's what a lot of companies, unfortunately, have lost is that depth, um, probably because of deadlines. To be honest with you, I think that, and also skyrocketing costs. We said this, we've said this quite a few times in all the uh, 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 the destruction of the game industry as we know it. Uh, panels that we've done at several different conventions: Monster Monstercon. Um, Momocon, Momocon, Andocon, Con Carolina, might be one more, but I can't remember. But anyways, um, the, the thing is the return value for the, the studio, um, you know, you play a single player game, you, you, you're not going to gain all that money, um, with, from DLCs, of course. Well, back in the day, you couldn't. Um, yeah. But I, I just feel like for like a single-player game, you know, you've got to have a script. You've got to have levels that may only be used once. Uh, you're, if you're smart, um, and not many, there's quite a few AAA title studios that aren't all that smart. If you're gonna have character dialogue, voice it. If
1: or what, what do you think of games that like voice some of the dialogue, like the important dialogue?
0: That okay. I will give a studio a pass if, like, minor characters aren't voiced. But if you're going to voice your main characters, I want every single dialogue to be voiced. Don't give me this half on, half off.
1: Xena Saga does that quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, Like, a lot of, especially, like, the ones with Mm cutscenes, will be voiced over. But if it's, like, a minor interlude or especially like side quest Yep. Yeah, you can just read the text
0: well actually that that's actually a, a a good example is there are games out there who have fully voiced cutscenes uh with the, you know sometimes with kind of like throwaway dialogue like oh no it's coming after me oh ah! yeah and then like the true. important stuff you're reading and so mm-hmm. i'm just like you had a voice actor to say like how much does this voice actor cost you per word? Because that was like six <laughs> words. I think it would be probably that amount of time that it took to record that probably would have been better used to actually, you know,
1: record the important dialogue. Yeah. I get it from game to game. Like if it's a, especially a large RPG, I totally get not voice acting the side quests because that's an insane amount of voice acting and data for that matter. Mm-hmm. But I agree, the main story quest, yes, voiceover.
0: And actually, uh, I was—I uh, just wrote the review for this. Um, I, I think I made mention of this in a previous episode. But there's a game out there called uh, Orwell. Uh, actually, there's—I guess technically two seasons, two chapters, whatever the hell you want to call it um and basically you get to play uh the part of an analyst um to a system that's basically big brother where uh you're going to basically this system is going to pull all the information on specific individuals that you've tagged and then your your job is to uh basically uh correlate all that data correlate all that data uh and then figure out what's important what's not and then of course the end of the day you, uh, what your actions are is going to, you know, dictate what happens to individuals that you're, um, uh, that you're basically patrolling over. Um, I played that one. And then I played the second one, the second one. So for the first one, all of the audio, uh, like, um, bits like, uh, you, you get access to recorded phone calls. It was all text. Um, it was a di- yes. You got the 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 dialogue message, basically like your your message app that you have on whatever device you have, uh, where you know you've got the bubbles on one side for one person, bubbles on the other side for another. Um, but in the second season, second iteration, second chapter, whatever you want to call it, "Ignorance is Strength," um, those parts were actually voiced. And I have to say that for me personally, okay, so. There's a game out there called uh Simulacra that had voice acting throughout the entire thing. It's basically it's about as close to it. Yeah, it's probably an FMV. It's the the full motion video where mm. you're you're seeing uh like scenes acted out. Though I I I don't like to say that one's an FMV because it's literally like small little uh cell phone videos that just appear. It's not a full experience. But anyways. If you want to see what bad voice acting is check out simulacra every Aww. single character mailed it in like that's sad this here here is uh, a scared guy who thinks he's in trouble oh no the cops are going to come after me i'm in trouble you shouldn't have done that did i what sell it What should i you? have done I'm i was so like, confused look dude like <laughs> I can read off a piece of paper and do monotone just like you, but I didn't get paid for it. Although I don't think they may not have gotten paid for it. It might've just been the programmers and developers, which nice does that, that can happen. Um, if you, if you are so hell on getting voice acting into the game, you may try to utilize your, uh, current studio, your current resources. However, um, and I've said this several times about, um, so you've finished making your indie game and you think you're done. Um, one of the things that I've always recommended to those who create Kickstarter projects, if you're gonna do a video and you want everyone who's part of that project to be in the video, make sure that they have personality. Uh, there, was a, there was a great project that sounded awesome but it fell. The video fell all apart when basically the brains behind all the game mechanics was put on camera, where he was staring at the camera, and there was no emotion. There was nothing. He just monotoned it back. In my personal opinion, if you're going to have everyone part of your Kickstarter video or whatever to your promotional video, if an individual is not photogenic have them um, talk over a scene of individuals playing the game where you can see that passion you can't if you put someone on the spot uh, and they're not used to it they you're not gonna see or hear the passion and the same with voice acting if if you're gonna have someone if you're gonna have your game voiced and I highly recommend you do because I personally especially when it comes to single player games I feel like it gives, when it's done right it gives such uh, an incredible depth to it that really personally draws me in and I, i'm sure that i'm not alone in that statement but if you have people who are going to voice for you make sure that they can actually do it if you're oh, just yes. doing you know if it's like we need to have a female voice we have one this guy uh or, or this this artist girl or or this guy's girlfriend or something if they can't actually make it believable even a a smidge don't do it just 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 save yourself um you know like but but as i said i love when there's when it's a a text heavy game if i in this day and age i want voices you want all
1: the voices
0: well no like i said if at bare minimum if you're going to have voice acting i want all of the dialogue for the main characters part of it. I totally understand. You know, if it's like NPC 17 hot dog vendor, sure. Throw the text up there. The vast majority of the time, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but the vast majority of the time when I'm playing a game that has uh voice acting, I have the subtitles on just in case. Um, just so if I miss something, when they say something, I can still read it off the screen. Uh, Or, you know, if someone's having a a very, there are individuals out there who have a tough time understanding accents, which is why you put the subtitles on. Uh, Even if they're speaking English, sometimes you don't understand what words they just said. Totally fine with that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of ambivalent about voice acting. Um, I really, you have a much stronger opinion about it than I do. I'm pretty much Whatever.
0: Um, now ladies and gentlemen, I just looked at the clock and we're going to quickly run over and do our thank yous for, uh, friends of the show because, uh, these amazing people are part of the reason why we continue to do what we're doing. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let me tell you about some of the friends of the show. Let's start off with the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conventions, sorry, conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. I can't say enough about Indie Cluster they're amazing. Um, Ron, who basically runs the Indie Cluster, is overly passionate about trying to help out the independent developers and try to give them some love and respect and some spotlight. Uh, and by doing the Indie Cluster and having this traveling booth, um, it helps cut down the cost for a lot of the Indie developers because not going to lie, uh, getting an actual booth... Um, at a convention can be very expensive, um, and if you're an independent developer, an independent creator, period, that entry point of just that, you know, price tag may keep you from going to conventions where you could be discovered. So definitely, you know, check out uh, Indie Cluster; uh, they are an amazing group. Second off, let's talk about Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare care practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible. And most importantly, suited to your individual needs. Ryan has been my chiropractor for many, many years. He's also the chiropractor for my son now. So I have to tell you, he knows his shit. And you sh- if you're in the Atlanta area, you should definitely check it out. Now, of course we have to do a shout out to uh, a f- Fan, friend of the show for a long, long, long time. Uh, And that of course is Nurburger Games. Nurburger Games is the design is the game design imprint of award-winning RPG designer. Craig Campbell. Craig has done a whole bunch of RPG design freelancing in the past. Several years ago he dove into designing his own RPG. Now Nurburger Games has multiple RPGs and is showing no signs of stopping. Nurburger Games endeavors to create games that explore corners of the RPG landscape that haven't been explored, or haven't been explored very often. These games forego dense gaming mechanics in favor of lighter rule sets that allow players to focus on telling fun, engaging, memorable stories. The games that are uh, accredited to Nurburger Games at this very moment in time are, of course, Capers, Die Laughing, Merse Acquisitions, and the uh, just... Uh, of course, extremely successful, good, strong hands. And I know that Craig has already got his hands into trying to start something else up. So this man does not sleep. He wants to give you incredible, unique gaming experiences.
1: He wants you to have all the fun. All of them. Now, of
0: course, ladies and gentlemen, the other shout out we have to give you is our stomping ground, which, of course, once COVID is over, I will be... A permanent fixture to the seat and I will have to uber and lift home probably quite a few times and that of course is Battle & Brew. Battle & Brew is Atlanta's first and oldest gaming bar and restaurant. Opened in 20, uh, 2005, Battle & Brew had a very modest menu, a few beer taps and focused heavily on gaming. Now they have grown to encompass so much more. They pioneered geek trivia in Atlanta and remain the hardest trivia in town. They have upgraded the menu from only a few items to all your bar favorites and some soon-to-be favorites. They've expanded the gaming and kept everything top of the line. They've taken a good place and made it a great place. A place where the staff listens to your desires and suggestions. A place where you and your friends feel like you're at home. A place where everyone knows your game. Um, I love Ballon Brew. I was I went to Ballon Brew when it was up in Roswell, uh, right next to the um the what do you call it, the dry cleaners, where oh, the owner man. of the dry cleaner literally sat out in front of his store when Ballin Brew was gonna get busy and then nice. had the tow truck company on speed dial to remove all the cars that would park in the uh his spots, even though he was about to close up for the night.
1: Mm, those were the days, sir. And then of
0: course, they moved to Sandy Springs, got a v- mm. much larger area uh, um, venue, and it took a little bit of time to get used to. But now I think Ballon Brew, uh, hopefully, will continue to be where it is because I love it. It's much more convenient for me personally, and I think they've their evolution into what they are today is amazing.
1: And they have a very, I mean, it's a very spacious area for what they do, too. Exactly. When you think about the real estate space that they're taking there, and it's just super convenient because it's right there on Roswell Road and 285. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So super convenient just for the traversal of Atlanta to get to.
0: But Of course. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I would do want to take a quick moment out and do a couple extra uh, shout-outs. These are uh, kind of like ultra Confusion, well, they're ultra they're Confusion uh, personal shout-outs. Um, now, I know that the 24-hour gameathon has passed, but I do want you to know that there is still time to donate to Extra Life. Uh, we are proud to say that we have been we have fundraised for Extra Life for nine straight years. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best, gaming, to help sick and injured children at their at our chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money we rose raised or continue to raise through Extra Life will go directly to in our case, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta has unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. Also, uh, I continue to st- I continue to receive email thank you emails from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Healthcare of Atlanta, um, because of the fact that I've raised money for them for nine straight years. So that so
1: much money
0: continues to be awesome. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, this one is more of an Alter Confusion business. Shout out on that, of course, is Alter Confusion has a Patreon page. Alter Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you. And so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fan supporters, become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight in our, co- in our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. Now, I know that there's some people going out, okay, so what exactly is the exclusive mm. uh, stuff that you're going to get for um, for pledging or, uh, yeah, basically pledging or, or subscribing um, to every single month? Uh, first of all, currently there's, there's only a, a $1 a month, which – I I don't mean to be a dick, but almost everyone out there could probably you know subscribe for a dollar to help Ultra Confusion pay the bills. Uh, a dollar,
1: but that's like two Starbucks a year, man.
0: So there's so you got the $1 a month and then of course you have the $5 a month. Um now um the $1 a month will get you um okay, so I'm I'm revamping the exclusiveness uh for um for patreon right now if you are a patron uh, no matter if you're at the one or the five dollar limit starting this past week anytime that i do like a uh, a playthrough walkthrough video uh um uh be it episodes or entire playlist you the patrons will have first access to those videos and i'm gonna ga- i'm gonna <clears throat> Build some more stuff that allows you to have exclusive access to things that others will have to wait for. So you'll get timed exclusives. The other thing uh, is that if you are at the five dollar mark, you gain the ability to utilize the um, the audio channels on Discord. Not only okay. not only do you have access to Discord, which um, you know, even if you're not a uh, patron, you have the ability. To be part of our Discord community, which, by the way, uh, if you're watching this on Twitch, if you do the exclamation mark Discord, it should give you the uh, the link. If it if it doesn't, or if the link's broken, just hit us up and we'll fix it. Uh, but basically, if you're at the five or above limit, you'll gain access to that audio, um, the ability to chit chat, and I'm trying. I'm I'm messing around with potentially having a, um, a a slightly higher level that would allow for either. Uh, an audio like you know, just like an audio dialogue between uh myself and, and or Zelius uh, and fans, or maybe in a video, uh, which will of course be posted to to Confu- our website, our YouTube, all that stuff. So I'm What still... about an
1: option where you tell Charlie how to play the game?
0: Okay. So that's actually something that that um that's actually a topic that came up. Uh not how I play the game, but I uh, like
1: to, to be like, you have to do this or something.
0: It's actually gaming.
1: Yes. So if that, remember, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Hold
0: that thought for just a second. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, of course, you know we have our Patreon. If you do not feel that you are able to do a monthly subscription, if you want to just give us a one-time donation, all you gotta do is go to www.alteredconfusion.com. There is a donate now button that go. That's a one-time donation. It goes to our PayPal account, uh, and of course, helps us keep the light on, lights on. If you want to.
1: Send us. Lights? Something. Those were overrated, sir. Uh, if you want
0: to send something physical to Alter Confusion that we could show off on the show, uh be it you know basically within the realm of, you know, let's let's keep it civilized. We don't we can't show everything that could be sent here, but you know, let's let's keep it where it needs to be. But you know, if you want to send something to Alter Confusion, uh your best bet or the way to do it is send us. Send it to 1551 Dunwoody Village Parkway. That's D-U-N-W-O-O-D-Y Village Parkway. Number, this is super important, number 88276. That number, 88276, is the actual P.O. Box number. If you do not put that there, it will not get to us, and it will be returned to you within three to five business days. Uh, The city, of course, is Dunwoody. Once again, D-U-N-W-O-O-D-Y, Georgia 30338. Um, I am going to the post office in the next week. So if you have sent stuff to us and you're like, why
1: aren't you talking about it?
0: Um, I'm going to get it. You're going to get it. it. You're going to get it. You're going to make this happen. Mm, Yes. I've been worried, sir. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, if you do want to help out Alter Confusion, but perhaps you don't want to send something physical or maybe you are not in a position to do a financial donation, the best thing and the most amazing thing that you could do, and of course, if you're doing the other stuff, you can still do this, and that is to share the love of Alter Confusion. Um, Retweet us, favorite us, um, like us, uh, follow us, subscribe to us make sure that all your notifications are turned on for whatever platform you're following us on we're on instagram we're on twitter we're on twitch we're on google i mean uh google um google is twitch um no amazon is twitch shit i'm going to hell um what's why i'm so confused facebook what uh, youtube there we go youtube is google um you know, basically any of our social media means make sure that you're subscribed, that you've got notifications turned on so that you don't miss out on all the awesomeness that might be coming your way. Um now, uh Zelius made mention of backseat gaming. Um potentially potentially there may be the ability to not backseat game per se, but maybe co-op. Oh um, that's that's also in the works. Uh now I know there were we're getting a little bit tight on, tight on time but i do have this question for zelius um oh. actually let me do this announcement real quick and then we'll do the question ladies and gentlemen cyberpunk seven seven is almost finally here are um, you sure preload that story before sir preloads for pc and stadia google stadia will first become available on monday december 7th at 12 wow. p.m. cet on gog Uh, good old games. Uh, Steam and Epic Games Store will let players start loading a few hours later at 5 p.m. CET, which, of course, uh, a few hours later is five hours, but whatever. Uh, For Xbox and PlayStation players, the availability depends on the console. Xbox users are the first players able to begin preloading starting December 3rd at 5 p.m. PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 players are the last to preload, only becoming available <laughs> two days prior to the game's release.
1: Can you be any more excited about that, sir?
0: Dude, I, I am I as soon as it's available for me to preload from Steam, it's gonna be on my computer.
1: Wait, you've already ordered it?
0: Who knows, zealous Who knows? <laughs> it's not like it's not it's not the story of um Uh, Zelda Twilight Princess, where I had the um, pre-order on my corkboard in my apartment for over Mm. a year when it was first Mm. uh, destined to come out on the GameCube. And then they kept pushing it, and pushing it, and pushing it, and it finally ended up on the Wii. And I had to change my uh, my, my pre-order from one console to the next generation
1: mysterious eh? all right
0: so here's the question that i will that will close the show on and that is how much control should viewers or fans of a streamer have over the content that they stream so Zelius has alluded to backseat gaming and i think that that totally okay uh you know I think it actually, you know, adds if if there's this, you know, this extra level of interactivity between you and the audience, totally fine with it. Uh I'm totally I'm I'm always willing to hear suggestions or ideas or thoughts uh for when I'm playing my games. The question becomes for me personally the 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 where it starts getting close to that is if the fans slash viewers have the ability to choose what games or what activities the streamer is doing during their streams.
1: Well, from what I've seen, though, that's usually because it's a tiered system. So if you give a certain tier of Patreoning or Twitching or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. it is, then you can choose that. And the streamer also makes that cognitive Cognizant decision to do that, then I see no issue with it. Um, I think for me, we're across that line if it starts becoming that sense of entitlement. Yes. Where, like, let's say you're a gamer and you're a streamer, and maybe from like one to four, you allow backseat gaming mm-hmm. in the fashion of you know, people can choose X, Y, Z, but then you're like at four to eight, I'm doing my own gaming. You know, there's going to be people who between four and eight still want to dictate what you can and cannot do. Right. So to me, that's where it crosses that line where it's fine. If the gamer is like, do this now. But then when they're like, no, I'm just playing the game my way. That's where you need just to slow your roll. Basically. Actually,
0: I I don't know. My brain is going all over the place, but as soon as you said that, I thought about, um, swimming pools where you have uh, open swim versus adult only swim where, you know, like open, you know, uh, as long as you don't, hurt anyone. You know, you could swim, you could splash, you goof around. Uh, yeah. but at a certain point, everyone, but the adults, uh, come out of the pool, let the adults do their laps or whatever in, in peace. Um, which is something, I mean, that's the parallel I, I immediately drew from your statement. I, I think for me, I'm in the same boat. I, I think that if you, if you allow for, you know, the backseat gaming, uh, during a specific time, Absolutely you know, say from this to this, and then, um, then I'm going to do my own thing. Um, but there are individuals out there who I think get a little crazy over wanting that interaction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that potentially when it, it could potentially go outside of video games, and get a little bit creepy or a little bit scary. Um, you know, the, Basically, when streamers take on challenges um, that don't really have to do with the game, but they want, you know, it's it's the uh, pay attention to me. I'll do whatever if you just keep watching me uh, type of mentality, which is where I kind of go, mm, no. Um, you know, there was several years ago, uh, and this was for a good cause. Um, there was a show where Xelius uh, and I, I think it was, Z- yeah, Xelius and I um, decided to do a quick impromptu fundraiser for Ultra Confusion and uh, we had my wife shave off my goatee.
1: Oh yeah, um, that was a good time.
0: That I'm okay with. But you know, if we're doing like the the cayenne pepper challenge just because I'm, you know, I need your attention and love or the whatever, or you're doing something, you know, if, if you're, I think this, this is really more on the streamer than on, on the audience. You know, you, you got to set boundaries and, and, you know, and whatnot. There, there are too, <laughs> there's too many entitled people out there already. You don't need mm-hmm. to give them more power.
1: Yeah. It, there's definitely that fine line. And I think that's, I, we talked a little bit in the past on the show, how it's almost like, especially if you're going to do this as a living, mm-hmm. it's almost like there is that sense of entitlement from. Some viewers, most of, not most of them, it's always that small percentage, where like really, no, I mean, and you, I definitely think that's an issue.
0: I mean, it, and it, it extends past you know the 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 streamer versus the audience member. I mean, they, there are individuals out there who are sports fanatics who go to every single basketball game or every single football game and they think that that team should take every single opinion of theirs into consideration because, damn it, I'm a fan. I've stuck with you through thick and thin. Yeah, That unfortunately happens too. But the other danger for streamers out there is that if you are broadcasting a persona um, and you don't make it abundantly clear that this is a character, uh, this is me when I'm streaming Mm -hmm. uh and then there's a real me what i'm not uh you know that can get you i mean that that's gotten a lot of people into trouble Um i can see that but anyways um i believe we thankfully touched on everything this uh this uh episode um but uh ladies and gentlemen if we did unfortunately miss an opportunity to cover a topic that perhaps you had on the tip of your tongue uh then of course you could hit us up through any of our social media means uh or um, just drop it in the chat and we will add it to next week's show but without further ado ladies and gentlemen I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to the alter Confusion Thursday night Hangout for myself, Charlie, and Zelius. It's been a pleasure giving your earth to come our heads, our mouths, and of course our hearts will be next, next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. Zelius, Yeah? Are you going to do your outro or what?
1: I remember kids, keep on gaming in the free world.
0: Aiming at that, brother. (音楽) Thank you.